Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I have the privilege of introducing my brother Tony to you today. I asked him to teach lesson one. He was here for just a short time. He was in other places teaching last weekend. I said, can you make it through Warren? And would you, would you do lesson number one in God dot dot? And, and he said he, he, he would. So he's going to take off after service today. But just with us a short time, came in late Friday night. And so we had him yesterday and today. But I'm so excited to have him with him. Tony and I were in business together before we met Christ. Uh, we went to Bible school together. And then he was a missionary in Italy. He, he pioneered three Bible schools there. And then he was a missionary, went to Singapore, did three there in Singapore. And now he's been in Australia and he has an incredible Bible school there, but he also has an incredible work in Papua New Guinea. And uh, God's just using him in some awesome way. His only fault is he's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So other than that, I have six brothers, and all of them are Pittsburgh Steelers fans except me. I'm a Browns fan. So, but we're rebuilding. We're going to get better. We're going to get better. Right? <laughs> but I'm excited to be able to introduce uh, Tony uh, as he comes forward. And the message has been incredible, so can we give it up? Let them know we're excited to have them with us today. Well, for you Browns fans, you're going to have to, like, receive from me today. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm not a big, you know, like my brother and I get along really good because anytime the Steelers beat the Browns, I don't rub it in. I'm not that kind of, like, irritating fan. So, like, I know that it, it can get turned around pretty quick there where, you know, you lose a franchise quarterback and, you know, uh, and, hey, your team's a different story. So uh, Ben Roethlisberger's getting old. So that's our lesson for today. I hope you really were blessed. And uh, <laughs> next week, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, so uh, it's great to be in my hometown. It's great to be here. Uh, love the local church. Uh, I used to be a traveling minister, and, and, uh, and uh, now we've been pastoring eight years, and after pastoring eight years, you know, I, I have a whole brand new love. I always love the local church, but I love it even more. And, you know, America is blessed with a lot of Fortune 500 companies, and uh, they make America go. And, uh, you know, it, it puts us on the map in the world, and it's a real big blessing. So powerful, big institutions. But I know that the most important institution in the world is the local church, not those big companies. Thank God for them. But the local church is where God does the, his business at. And uh, it's the local church that reaches lost people. So we're here for a season on the earth. And the season that we're here, we're here to get people saved and established. And so thank God for the local church. And I, I love this church. I spent one year in the, uh, the first, when this church was founded, I spent, I helped my brother for the first year of the founding of this church. And of course, I love my brother, my brothers and my family. Love this church and it's great to be here. Father, I thank you today for the word that as we look into it, Lord, uh, you, uh, you help me to make it simple. Thank you, Lord, that you help people to understand it, that there's like revelation knowledge when it goes forth and it changes people, people's lives. And I thank you for all that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, God promotes. So we're going to look into some scriptures here soon. But before we do that, like some of you, I know some of you are retired, so we're talking about how God promotes, you know, and you're already retired, but it's about how God promotes at the workplace. But the same thing is true within the kingdom of God and even serving in the local church. All of these principles kind of work across the board. So for you that are retired, you might say, well, why, I wish I would have heard some of these things 
you know, before, you know, and, and it's okay, you're retired. Uh, you know, the Bible says to forget those things that are behind and press toward the mark. So don't, don't be concerned about anything you did in your past that you could, you could have done better. Just think about tomorrow and press on. For some of you that are younger, these things will really help you, uh, uh, and, it, and they'll improve your, you know, like your life and also improve everything that's going on with relationships that have to do with work and God promoting. So the first thing I'd like to look at is this is like, for you that got saved after you were pretty successful, I think for you guys, you could get saved and into a church and then you could hear a teaching. If we as Christians don't acknowledge that there's certain principles that work and you don't have to be a Christian to operate them and you've got somewhere out there in the workplace without being a Christian, we have to acknowledge that. It's been going on for a long time throughout history. So I just want to say these are a few ways that you can be promoted even without God, and we'll acknowledge those. So here's, here's one way. You can go to college or trade school. I, I went to a trade school. I never used one trade that I went to school for. I, I went to refrigeration and air conditioning school, but I never had time to do anything with it. But I actually became a machinist. I did on-the-job training at Wien United that used to be right down the road. And so I became a Class A machinist. So I, I learned something, and, uh, and I wasn't a Christian when I was doing that. It was before I was saved. And so you can go to college and get a skill set and learn something. And because of the skill set and all that, you get, you get a job. And so we acknowledge that. Um, there's other ways that you can have friends or family connection. The way that I got into Wien United is my father called a fellow Italian who was the, the you know, I, I don't know, he was over HR, and he said, hey, you know, his name was Joe Parisi, you know, my father called him up and said, hey, my son needs a job, can you interview him? And so I went and got interviewed, and I got hired. You know, uh, did you do that with me, or it was only me? Okay, because my brother Joe and I, we worked in a machine shop together for a while, too, a different one. So I got hired at Wien United. It was a family connection, you know, and so friends and families can get us places. And then there's politicking. You know, you can politic and get promoted and get things by politicking. The bad thing about politics is if that's how you get it, that's how you keep it. And it's kind of a stressful, uh, you know, kind of thing when you get things by politicking. So not recommended. And then there is uh, the thing when no one else is available. And so I know that I'm sure there's people in this room that you got something because no one else was there or available. And as a result, you got to do it. So those things all happen, and, we, and that can happen without God. And so we acknowledge that. Now, the good thing about having God and having the scriptures is that when you get something, even when you get it, if you have these things, you'll end up holding on to it. You won't lose it. Because, you know, there's some people that get things, but because of their attitude and their conduct, uh, they lose them. So this is really important what we're going to look into today. So God promotes us, but he also, by keeping his principles and everything, will keep what we have. So let's look at Colossians, and we'll start here in the scriptures. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. So what we're going to first of all look at is the deeper motive on why we would do things that we do at work. So we can say, well, this is only about promotion, and 
it's good to be promoted. It, it can put you know, more prestige and money in our pocket. But there's something much deeper than just having prestige and status and money in your pocket. And this is what we want to look at first. There's a deeper reason why we would want to work well on the workplace. So here what we see, that deeper reason is that we are serving sincerely because of our reverent fear of the Lord. Then as we continue to read, it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So doesn't that change things? Like even the way that you look at your supervisor or the company that you work for, you're going to be different when you really get a hold of this. You're working for the Lord and not for people. So that's pretty powerful. And then verse number 24, it says, Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Now, that is a very powerful scripture, and I'm going to read it in another translation and then make a comment here. This is that same scripture in the Message Bible. It says, Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. So that helps us to understand what we do on the earth, according to this scripture, in the future, when we get to heaven and come into our inheritance, these things are going to matter. So this is like amazing. I'm going to read two other scriptures and make more comments here. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, Slaves always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back. So I, I know that we're seeing about slaves and masters. So can we just say employer and employee, you know, for today's world? So like, so it says uh, not to talk back. And so like how many of you, when you were growing up, your parents told you don't talk back. I mean, that was big with us. And so our parents put a lot of good things in us that I found out later that it was right in the Bible. And, you know, we weren't really born again Christians growing up, but the things that our parents put into us really helped us. And one of them was don't talk back. And when we did talk back, sometimes we got a little slap. You know, anybody relate? So it's right here in the Bible. So it actually tells us, you know, when you're at work, do your best not to talk back to your supervisors. And, and I, I do want to say, like, I, I live in Australia right now, and Australia is known to have one of the most complicated workplaces, like with different levels of pay, like they call it awards, you know, and you know, these, all these different awards, and it's about contracts, it's about workplace safety, it's about not getting bullied, you know, and, and the employees definitely more benefited than the employer in Australia. So what it does, it really it empowers the employee. And then it, it's not, I've seen this in Australia where Christians, because they grow up in that environment where they're always hearing, don't let your employer do this and don't let them do that. And I'm thinking, you know, you can go by the rule book and put all that pressure on your employer, but you're actually not really following the scripture. You know, you can say, like, you did this to me and you did that. But, you know, like, go back here before the workplace got so developed. And, and so thank God for development in the workplace and thank God that they say, don't bully. But, let, you know, what if you have somebody that isn't that great and you're working for? Well, you go back to the Bible and it says, don't talk back. You know, so you see that there. And then Titus chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, or still. But then look at, but, but you must show them, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. So you see, for us, sometimes we don't like a little discomfort, and we want everything for our benefit. 
But when you look at the big eternal picture that God is painting, for God it's like, hey, you know, handle some discomfort at the workplace because you could actually get your supervisor saved. This is really what this is like saying. So we're seeing God's view on it is like we can toughen up and be able to handle some things and do what this says because what he's saying here is you make the teaching of God our Savior attractive in every way. So this is like the deeper motive on why we would have a good attitude. This is the deeper motive on, about our conduct and behavior at the workplace. It's more about evangelism, the shed blood that Jesus shed was so precious and expensive. You know, it's free for us, but expensive to God that he sent his son to shed his blood. And so we are told to conduct ourselves in the best way because actions speak louder than words. And this is what we see here. So it really, when you get a hold of this and have a revelation or understanding about this, it changes the way you think. And then the workplace, you see it differently. Like, the workplace is a place that I can get people saved. The workplace is a place that I can be a living epistle. And when people see the way that I conduct myself and my attitude, it makes the teachings of God look good. Does that make sense? Uh, it, it really is a deep thing and it changes us in a deep way. So we could say this about what we just read. The creator of the universe, who is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere in every place, he actually has enough time to watch us while we're working. This is what we're seeing. Because how could he give us, when we come into our inheritance in heaven, how could he, he must know when we come in there what we've done, right? So he's actually watching. So for some of you that you think, well, man, I haven't been so good, don't be concerned. Here's the thing, like we're, we can, we're only held responsible for what we know. So if you're here and you're retired and you, you, know, you never knew this when you worked, don't be concerned about it because you're not held responsible if you did not know this. Now, after you hear it today, you are now going to be held responsible for it. So now from this day forward, if you're working, you can make changes. And so even if you like had a really bad attitude at work and you know you can change that starting tomorrow if you're not on vacation you know okay so god is everywhere all the time and he's like watching us he has time to do that because like only god can do all that like billions of people he knows he can count the hair on everyone's head with a billion billions of people on the earth so uh so we could say this you know um he does everything he, he doesn't care so much about money and all that. I mean, we might care about money and promotion, but God, first of all, cares about the shed blood of Jesus, okay? And he's looking at, like, long-term evangelism. So we have a lady in our church that if, if, I, if she was up here right now, she could, in 20 minutes, teach you how to evangelize, and then she could take you out on the streets and you just get a bunch of people saved. I'm not really graced to do that, and I'm not so good at it like she is, but she could get up here and in 20 minutes teach you how to be a street evangelist and take you out there and do that. That's what you call instant evangel, like instant people getting saved, you know. But when you work a job and you're there 40 hours a week, eight hours a day, it's not even wise to go in the first day and witness to somebody because they're going to be watching you, and they don't really want to hear what you have to say as soon as you get hired there they're going to watch you long term. This is what really, when God's telling us this in the scripture, he's letting us know that there's a such thing as lifestyle 
evangelism are long-term evangelism that people will study and watch you for a long time. And then so what he's saying there is that, that when you act and conduct yourself like a Christian, you make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. So this is what uh, we see here. So uh, I, went, I moved to Tulsa uh, and back in 1981, and I was a Class A machinist that I learned the trade at Wien United. So I went to a machine shop to get a job. Just so happens the owner of the machine shop was a born-again Christian. He was the head usher at his church. And so uh, when he interviewed me and had me do a few things on a machine, and then he said, you know, you come from the north and you guys have the, you know, you got all the skilled people up there. He says, so you're automatically now on the first day of, of your work, you're going to be my number one machinist because, you know, the northern workforce. I don't know if it's still that way in America, if the southerners got caught up with the northerners for like machinists and tool and die and all that kind of stuff. But we were ahead, you know at one time. Uh, so they would, like, Southerners always try to get Northerners to move down there because of our skill sets. So I'm there, and I become the number one machinist the first day at work. So he, he said, you see how big my factory is? And it was a nice-sized building. He said, you see how much empty space I have here? And I said, yeah. He goes, it used to be full of machines. And he said, and I guess I made a mistake by hiring all born-again Christians. And he said they fellowshiped and talked about God and the Word instead of working, and I went bankrupt. So he said, this is the way it's going to be. He said, you start at this time, and you better be on time. And then he said, you work two hours, and you get a 15-minute break. Then you go back to work, and then you get a half hour for lunch at this time. Then you work till this time and get another 15-minute break, and then you finish your day out. And he said, and if I see you talking and fellowshipping other than your break time and lunch, you're fired immediately. You know, and I said, fine, I could relate. So, so even in a Christian environment, a lot of times we think, you know, uh, there used to be a thing that we said in the machine shop, some of you guys that worked in that area might understand, they, they had a slogan, good enough for government work. And that really meant like, don't worry about it, you know, good enough for government work. Well, sometimes in the Christian world, we have that attitude. It's just Christianity. You know, you don't have to work as hard. You don't have to be as excellent. But you know what? I think in every environment, God wants us to be excellent, and he wants us to be hard workers. Um, so we could say this, uh, acting like a Christian at the workplace makes the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. And so that's the deep motive that we would be Christians at the workplace, all right? So let's talk about just some, a few other things here. We'll give like some real practical things, you know, and even doing practical things can bring the supernatural element of God into our lives and into the workplace by just doing practical things uh, that we're going to look at. So we'll talk about a roadmap, but I want to just tell you, first of all, something that happened with me. This is in the Christian. Uh, so I'm, I'm in Tulsa, and then I got into a singing group, and I was the bass player. And so this singing group, you know, we traveled around the country and served a minister that had big, you know, meetings in big, big buildings. So we had a truck and a bus. We had 14 people in our group, 
and we learned how to drive the bus and the truck, so we kept it all in-house. We didn't have to hire a driver. We did that. We drove to places. We set up book tables and, and, and you know, put books on them and sold books. We set up our sound system and all that, the drums, the, you know, got our sound checked. We did services. We, we helped. We did our, the music and then the preaching, and then we helped in the and this, you know, when people responded to the altar call, we sold books, we counted the offering, we, we did all that kind of stuff, okay? We served the minister. Um, so there was somebody in our group, we had like somebody that rehearsed the band, he was over music, then we had a business manager that did all the business, like book, the, book places, take care of the bus and truck, keep all the receipts and the business in order. And so the business manager, his wife was a singer and he was a singer, and they, she got pregnant, so they had to get off the road. So he needed replaced. So he talked to this, you know, the, the people in charge of the ministry, the head uh, people, the executive person of the ministry said, I need to be replaced. And so the executive person said, who do you recommend? So he said, Tony Caminetti. They said, why do you recommend him? And he said, well, because if we're going down the road on the bus and I asked Tony to jump out of the bus while it was moving, he would do it. And he said, some of the other ones, if I say something, they question me. They always want to question my decisions. And he said, so I recommend him. So they said, okay, then ask him to be the manager. So we're in Florida on the road. And so uh, he comes to me before his service and said, hey, uh, I, I was talking to the you know, authorities, and they said to ask you that they want you to be the next manager of the group. And I said, well, you, know, you can go back and tell them, you know, they were doing it by phone calls, that I'm not interested. I don't, I, the answer's no, I'm just happy playing the bass and praying and doing what I do. So he did that. The next day, you know, he comes back to me and said, they want me to ask you one more time. And I said, well, you can go back and tell them one more time. No, I'm not interested in being the boss or anything like that. Happy with what I'm doing. So the third day he came back and he said, now they're not, they're not asking. They're telling you, you are the next manager of the group, whether you like it or not. I said, okay, but why? He, and he said, because you're a follower, you have been a good follower, and it's a little thing, like, if you can be a good follower, you'll be a good leader. But if you're not a good follower, you probably won't be a good leader. And you followed, and you didn't question all my decisions, and so that's why they, and you don't want to be in authority, and that's a good thing, too, because when people crave authority, it's kind of dangerous also. So you have to do it. So I did. I didn't really like it. I, I had all, the all my friends now, I became the boss of all my friends. That wasn't fun, but the Lord graced me and I could do it. So um, look at this scripture in Psalm 90 and verse 17. It says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. When you conduct yourself in a Christ-like way and have good attitudes and do what the Bible says, it's like favor comes on you. The Bible says about Jesus that he had favor with God and man. The first thing you want to do is get favor with God. When you act Christ-like and do what the Bible says, you get favor with God. But the result of that will always be that you get favor with man. Okay, so this is what happened here. And so with me, and I had favor with man because I did everything right between me and God. And so here's like something really practical. Look at this up here. I got this off of Google. It's probably not even Christian. It's probably from the secular world. But here's what makes a good employee. Be on time. Be pleasant and helpful. Put in a full day's work, even when unsupervised. That's what the Bible said even. We read that. Don't do it just for when they're watching. Be thorough and efficient. Follow company standards. 
go the extra mile, be self-motivated, be considerate, do the job you're asked to do even when it's difficult, okay? So that's just real practical. But here's, here's what my, uh, the summary of what I did in this singing group. I wasn't argumentative and I didn't murmur and I wasn't a complainer. So, you know, like always wanting to argue and murmur and complain, I did what I was told, I worked hard, I didn't talk behind the backs of my supervisors. You know, and all the stuff I'm talking about, you can do this with like a self-righteous attitude and turn people off like I'm holier than thou and I'm, more, and I'm spiritual and, and mix God in with it and turn people off. Or you could quietly do this and not be self-righteous and not get a big head and all that and, and it can work that way. So I wasn't doing any of this to be spiritual or anything. I was just doing my best to be Christ-like, okay? And so... So, like talking behind the backs of supervisors, you know, like a do dogs, they, you, you know, like they say if they run in a pack, you know, they're really uh, one dog by themselves, real friendly, then you get six and seven dogs together and they run in a pack and they can like attack you. Did you ever hear that? Well, it's kind of like, you know, when you get six or seven employees in a big company eating lunch together, at that moment they have, they're, they're tempted to murmur and talk about their supervisor about the company. So as a Christian, if you're at the workplace and you're one of the few Christians there and you're having lunch and, and, and the pack decides to go against the boss or the company, that's a good time to close it and not say anything. Don't get self-righteous. Don't correct them. Because why? You, you know, to correct somebody that isn't a Christian, they don't have God on the inside of them. They don't have what we have. They won't understand it anyway. So instead of acting self-righteous or correcting them, just let them talk close the mouth. Sometimes you have to quietly slip away, you know, without causing a disturbance or making them feel, but that's what we can do as Christians. We don't have to participate when they want to attack the company or the boss, okay? Uh, and then um, some other things I did, I kept my nose out of the places that didn't belong. Um, I didn't hang with people who were critical and against the leadership. I tried to do all things with excellence, I wasn't looking for a promotion, and I wasn't politicking, and I wasn't manipulating. So these are all really practical things, but if you do these things, they really make a difference, and they can work. So favor came upon me, and then as a result of that favor, uh, I was promoted, and I didn't even want it. So we could say this, if we abide by godly principles, it brings favor, and if we have favor, it will result eventually in promotion. So here's some other scriptures then, uh, just some more scriptures to give you ammunition to uh, be better on the workplace. So Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 4, it says, The appetite of the sluggard craves but gets nothing. Now, sluggard, if that's a new word, it means somebody that's lazy. So the appetite of a lazy person, it craves but it gets nothing. But the desire of a diligent or hardworking person will be abundantly satisfied. So the desires of our heart, if we want them to be satisfied, we have to make a choice to be diligent. And then by being diligent, you know, eventually there'll be satisfaction for the desires that are in our heart. And then Proverbs 14 and verse 23, it says, In all hard work there is profit, but merely talking about it only brings poverty. Uh, Proverbs 12, 24, The hand of the diligent will rule, 
while the sloth will, will be put to force labor. So you could say that a diligent person eventually goes up and they'll be in some kind of position where they're the ones that are probably given the, they're the, like the supervisors, but somebody that's slothful or lazy, they, they stay in that place. So it really, no matter what you're doing, if you decide to be diligent and work hard, it will change things eventually. It might not happen overnight, but it'll eventually make a difference. And then Proverbs 29, 22 and verse 29 says, do you see a man who excels in his work? So even seeing God's view on that, it means something to God that we have a desire to excel at whatever we're doing. Then Proverbs 21, 5, it says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And then Proverbs 10 and verse 4 says, poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. All right. So those are just good scriptures, and there's other ones. I just pulled out a few there. Let's look at one last portion of scripture, and then we'll close up. So this one says, uh, in Romans 13 and verse 1, it says, everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And so that's a very interesting scripture. Uh, we can even think for countries. Uh, I know that I've been to China, but you know, China, some people say things about China. I've been there now, I think, four times, and it's not re I just went there recently, so I didn't do that a long time ago. We lived in Singapore for four years, and Singapore, some people don't know, it's not a part of China. There's a couple nations in between Singapore and China, Singapore is its own nation. It's a city nation. The, the city's named Singapore, and the nation is named Singapore. It's a small island, uh, you know, and, uh, and so the Singaporeans, when I lived there, they said, you Westerners, you like to go into China, and you go in there, and you make newsletters up and report what you do, and, you know, you get to be known about it, and you get money and all that stuff, but the way you conduct yourself in China when you leave our people get put in jail and they suffer because of what you do there. And so they said, stay out of China, you know, and um, it reminded me of, um, you know, uh, what's that, uh, the Pink Panther when he said, don't leave America or whatever, anyway. You, you know the Pink Panther when he's, I thought that was the funny part. Anyway, forget that. <laughs> I did bad with that. But, um, but, but they said, stay out of China because, you know, you, you just cause a lot of damage. So I said, okay, because I, I didn't have it in my heart to go to China anyway. But when I finally went to China, I remembered what they said. So there is a registered church in China, and then there is the underground church. The underground church really, according to Chinese law, they're breaking the law. But the registered church on top of the ground, they don't get any persecution because they do everything according to the law. So if, if we consider, you know, read this, Romans 13 and verse 2 says, So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Now look at this next verse. It says, For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing what is right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. So I wasn't afraid when I went to China because I wasn't working with the underground church. I worked with the church that was on top of the ground and registered, and everything was fine. I had no fear, and I knew that I wasn't going to get anyone put in jail when I left. Now, Singapore, moving to Singapore, when we lived there, if you smuggled drugs into Singapore the way they're set up, if you brought more than the, uh, uh, like, there's a smaller amount that you get punished, 
but there's a greater amount, and it's not that much, then they think you're there to sell it. They, they put you on trial, and they convict you very quick, and they put you to death. It can happen in a two-week span that you brought drugs in, you were convicted and sentenced and put to death the next week. That happens there. And so, you know what? The whole time I lived in Singapore, I never was afraid of that happening. You know why? Because I didn't smuggle drugs in. I had no fear. As a matter of fact, we felt really safe in Singapore because we followed the law. We felt safe. Though. We put our kids, they were only this, you know, they're grown up now. Our kids were just little. We put them on taxis in Singapore and sent them to church because we would speak in one church and we wanted them to be in one, we wanted them to be planted in one church. We didn't want them to always be going around. So we put them on the taxi and sent them to their church. And the, 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 uh, there was an usher there that got them and received them in the taxi and took them in the church and got them seated when they were just little. We never were concerned about them. Singapore is so safe. So, you know, they have all these strict laws, but if you abide by the laws, you're really safe. And we always felt safe in Singapore. So God puts authorities in place, and if we do what the authorities say, we, have, we don't have to fear anything. Okay, so one last uh, story real quickly. You know, when I was working at Ween United, I, I, was, I, I learned my trade before I became a Christian. And I was a pretty miserable guy before I got saved. Once I got saved, I mean, I was totally changed, but... I was so miserable because my father wanted me to be a machinist. It wasn't really my idea. He said, you'll never be without work. You'll always put food on the table. Go be a machinist. So I did that. But then once I became a machinist, I, I did, you know, I, I worked midnight turn. You go in at, at midnight and you work through the night and it was really meticulous and you had to do everything perfect. So I, I got to where I didn't really like it, but I, I was a good machinist. But I was so miserable, like every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word. And the, some of the guys that I work with, they even one of them even said, why don't you just curse God and die? That's how miserable I was. So my reputation was like a murmurer, complainer, miserable person. And then I got laid off, not because of my attitude, but because of the competition, and they, they didn't get enough work. So I was off for a while, and while I was off, my brother Joe got saved, and I thought he got into a cult, so I went to rescue him at the cult, and I got rescued and saved. <laughs> so that was happened. So then I got hired back. They, they called me back at Wien United, and I got, went back there as a born-again Christian. And I'm like totally different now. I mean, I, I don't want to cuss. I had no desire to cuss, and my whole attitude was different. And so, like, you know, you, things can turn around really quick because when something happens on the inside of you and you start acting that, then people perceive you differently. They perceive me so different that at Wien United, they thought that some bad, they, they, I, I went into the bathroom after I, you know, a couple months after being a Christian, and I got, uh, you know, privileged enough to have my name written on the bathroom wall, and some, they said something really bad about me. But it was more like persecution now because I was a Christian. They never persecuted me when I cussed every other word. But when I became a Christian, I got persecuted but I was happy because I knew I was conducting myself in a Christ-like way, and they knew I was a Christian, and I got a little persecution. You know, so you might say, I haven't really conducted myself right at the workplace. You can change that, and people will notice. So don't feel bad about yesterday. God is for you. He's not against you. He gives us many chances. And so if you haven't been as good as you can be on the workplace, just go to God and say, Lord, I just received forgiveness for that, and tomorrow I'll be a different person. So just summarizing what we said here to close, uh, a relationship with Jesus should radically affect every relationship in the believer's life, 
including those in the workplace. Okay, so that it this just hits us every area. The workplace, that is, uh, the workplace is the primary mission field that God has called believers to. So you know, a lot of times we don't recognize that, but when you go out there, you're you're somewhere where no one else can be, and that's like a, a mission field. It's the primary mission field right there. Um, the number one motivator to work with excellence is to be a good witness for the Lord Jesus, and we read that in the scriptures. Abiding by the same principles to promote us in God's kingdom also position us for promotion in the workplace. Acting Christ-like while working opens the door for promotion, and it's better to concentrate on our work instead of promoting ourselves. So that's always the best way to go. And then once promoted, it is important to continue acting Christ-like in order not to undo the favor the Lord gave. And then one last thing, we have the fruit of the Spirit that empower us to be Christ-like. So the fruits of the Spirit in us, kindness, gentleness, joy, long-suffering, all those things that God put in us, we can actually yield to that at the workplace or wherever we are. And the Bible even says, a soft answer turns away wrath. So when somebody talks to you harshly, if you give, this is really good for marriage too, if you know one person acts up and says something harshly, a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer and walking in love can diffuse a, a, you know, a relationship situation just like that. So these things actually really work. So I trust uh, that uh, by delivering them to you, it will improve that area of your life. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today. Uh, Lord, I, I just thank you uh, that what we looked at in the Word will really make a deep, uh, cause people to be changed deeply from the inside out. And Lord, in the event that there's somebody with us today and they don't know Jesus as their Savior, they haven't been changed from that deep place on the inside that that Christ isn't in them and they're not, uh, they're not assured of heaven. They don't know if they would die where they would go. Lord, I thank you for speaking to their hearts and letting them know that they can be sure about heaven. They can be sure if they died where they would end up. Lord, I thank you for making that really clear to people and that they would understand that Jesus is the the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to come to you, Father God, except through Jesus. Thank you for making that clear, Lord. As you're sitting here, you know, and, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you probably feel like this tug on your heart, and, it, and it's like the Lord, He's tugging at you, and He's saying, yeah, this is right, and He's saying, come to me, and He's saying, yeah, it's right, you need a Savior, you can't save yourself, you know, uh, nothing can save you. Your good works can't save you. Church attendance doesn't save you, but it's confessing Jesus as Lord. So if, if, you're, if, you, if that's you, we're going to pray a prayer right now, and you have an opportunity to pray this prayer, and right now you can become a Christian and know you're going to go to heaven. So let, if you'd like to do this, it's the best thing you'll ever do. It'll change your whole life. Your, your destiny will be changed. You know you're going to be in heaven. Let's pray this together. This is your opportunity. And it's, it's good when you close your eyes and pray this with your heart and you just want to 
every word you want to from the deep place in your heart you want to mean this when you pray it so let's let's say this and pray this heavenly father thank you for sending jesus jesus thank you that you came for me you shed your blood for me you were you suffered for me you became sin for me and you were raised from the dead for me jesus I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. You're welcome in my heart. Thank you so much for loving me. Now, with eyes closed for a few more seconds, as Pastor Joe is coming, let's just say this, uh, if you would like to say this together. Say, I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I have the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of me. I have understanding from the Scriptures. So from this day forward, I'm changed. <clears throat> I'll be different at the workplace. I have God on the inside. I have his fruit on the inside. I will conduct myself in a Christ-like way, and I'll do everything the Bible says to do. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.